Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of The Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by Shopify. If you could trade a bench warmer for the GOAT, you'd do it, right? Get your business a game-changing pickup by choosing the commerce platform with the internet's best converting checkout. That's Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO-ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed sneakers or offering official outfielders outfits, baseball reference, Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform has you covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify personally is how no matter how big you want to take your business, Shopify gives you everything you need to take it to the next level. Shopify, by the way, also powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States. And being a truly global force, it powers companies like Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries around the world. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every single step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Johnston, all lowercase, shopify.com slash Johnston to take your business to the next level today. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show, powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Happy training camp day for all who celebrate, whether it started on Wednesday, whether it starts Thursday, today. Uh, Training camp's opening up across the National Hockey League. I couldn't be more excited. Literally, as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to my room to change my clothes and go to the uh, Flames facility for their day. CJ, you've been all over marketing day and you're back at the facility today. You must be excited as much as I am, if not more excited uh, that hockey is getting closer and closer to fully returning. Yeah, I am pumped this year. I, I don't know exactly what it is, um, you know, but coming out yesterday to, to sort of the opening day of Leafs camp, I was thinking about all the times I've done it. I've been really lucky. I've been 20 years worth of those sort of days, but there's doesn't really get old. I, I find it's, it's, it's just interesting, right? Every team has, is going to have had some degree of change with players 
in this case, you know, with the Leafs, you know, Brad Trilliving was, was addressing the media. He's a new general manager. It's just everything is fresh and, and there's storylines galore. And, um, you know, no one's lost the game yet, right? I mean, we're three weeks before anyone's going to lose a game, at least one that matters in the standings. And so this is a time for, I think, hope in, in really in 32 cities. There's going to be some teams that surprise us, probably a few that, that surprise us for the wrong reasons and, and don't have the kind of season they're hoping for. But it all starts, you know, basically this week in this couple of days. And, uh, man, I'm feeling I'm feeling refreshed. It was a long summer again. Yes. First, first July 1st that we've had in, in the post-COVID era. And so it meant for, a, a, I think, a lot of time to, you know, re- recharge the batteries. And I'm, I'm ready to rock, but. Uh, I was listening to the SDP yesterday and the beginning segment where they were going in on all these fan bases that are seemingly insufferable was really funny and ironic considering that uh, Adam, Jesse and Steve are Toronto Maple Leafs fans. It's it's the one time of year where your fan base is not the one that's insufferable. It's the everyone else's fan base. You're the ones who are crazy. Why do you think Jake Sanderson has a good deal? You're nuts for that. The Canadians, oh no, they they they're, they're gonna suck this year. Uh, the Buffalo Sabers, boo! Yeah, you guys missed the playoffs year in year out. I love this time of year where everyone just has this little bit of hope, and no one's played a game yet, and we just have to wait another month. Well, actually, not even a month, like two weeks before that hope. I don't want to say gets quashed, but reality starts to set in. It, we're at the point where delusion or delulu, as the kids say on TikTok, that still holds firm for everybody. I love it. I love it. Well, right. I mean, look, there's going to be exhibition games this weekend. Like, like, and, yes. and what comes what comes with that is injuries and and other situations, right? I mean, like, this is you're right. The, the the hope balloon in certain places will start to be deflated depending on what happens, even in these next few weeks before we get to the regular season, but. I don't know. It's just something I, I think this is going to be a great year. I really am. I think there's a lot of interesting dynamics around the league and there's a lot of storylines and things that are going to propel us to a great 23, uh, 24 NHL season. There are so many storylines I want to get to today. Uh, we will have a Leafs corner. Uh, we'll talk about the Sens. We'll talk about the Canucks. The Flames are on the list. The Bruins are on the list. The Ducks are on the list as well. I want to start in Tampa Bay because it seems as if uh, the most explosive thing that happened uh, yesterday was out of Tampa Bay with Steven Stamkos. I have to admit, CJ, I did not think about Steven Stamkos one iota all off season, uh, but he is in the final year of his contract. And he went to the media yesterday to express disappointment that talks over a contract extension didn't happen this summer. I'll read a quote for you. To be honest, I've been disappointed in the lack of talk in that regard. So it was something that I expressed at the end of last year that I wanted to get something done before training camp. And Julian Brisebois, the Lightning GM, uh, also uh, speaking yesterday, Stephen has mentioned publicly and to me that he wants to spend his entire career with the Lightning. I think it would be great for our organization if Stephen could spend his entire career with the Lightning. That is in everyone's best interest. CJ, let's break this down. What happened? Why are we here with Steven Stamkos, who has been a lifer with these with the Tampa Bay Lightning ever since he was drafted first overall? Well, I'd say the easiest answer to that is that the Lightning have a front office that is very, very calculating. And I don't say that as a as a shot at them. I think it's actually a compliment that in a salary cap world, they they have done arguably the best job consistently of managing their cap situation. I know they're aided by, you know, some of the, 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 the tax related things that go on in Florida in terms of players not having to pay as much tax there as they do in other jurisdictions. 
And so maybe they've gotten player side cheaper, but they've, they've done a really good job of, of managing their cap sheet. And, you know, Julian Brisebois, to his credit, addressed this head on as well on the opening day camp. And to paraphrase what was a long answer from him, he basically said, I need more information uh, on where our team is at. Obviously, he didn't maybe state it ex- expressly, but he's where Steven Stamkos is at just because of his age. I mean, what, what's interesting about this, well, there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of interesting about this. Yes. But Steve, Steven Stamkos has had 190 points over the last two seasons. You know, he is, he is getting to his mid-30s, but he's getting there in a manner where he's still a very productive player. Uh, maybe not the fleetest of foot, but he can still shoot the puck. Obviously, uh, you know, it could help a power play, you know, and he's got, he's got more meaning in Tampa than he would anywhere else. I mean, he's, he literally has been the face of the franchise, holds the franchise records, you know, has has helped bring them two Stanley cups and been to two more cup finals and wants to stay. And so the fact that they're playing them this way, I think that that's what, what, you know, where the, the intrigue would be. But look at Breezebaugh's history. You know, Alex Kalorn was a beloved player in Tampa, was a lifetime player, and, and he had to go to Anaheim last year in free agency. You know, they couldn't make the money work. Andre Pilat, two, two years ago in free agency, same deal. He moved on to New Jersey after being a lifelong lightning player, part of all the success that that group has had. I mean, this, this front office is not afraid of making difficult decisions hard decisions and it's too soon to say where it's going with Stamkos for sure. Because I think that they, they have so much still to gain together. Like I don't get the sense this means he's definitely going to hit the market in, in a year's time on July 1st, but, but what it does suggest is that the lightning are going to look very carefully at where he is at, where their team are at before making that decision. And it sounded like that decision isn't going to come until after this, this coming season. So, you know, Stamkos at this age, you know, is not going to get the security. It doesn't sound like a, of an extension anytime soon. And he's going to have to play through a contract here. And look, maybe that'll spur him on. Maybe that'll be a little bit of flame under his butt that, it, that, you know, it's not as though he needs it given how productive he's been these last couple seasons, how healthy he's been too. You know, a big part of Stamkos' career storyline, right. Is, is the injuries he's had and the times he's missed, but you know, he's been a healthy player for them through the last two seasons entirely. Um, and this is, this is a, a spicy meatball. Uh, I'm with you. And I, I, I love that he came out and just was honest too. I, you know, I have to say just from my experience, Julian covering this last generation of NHL players, I mean, there's few I've enjoyed covering more than Steven Stamkos, just because I do find he's very eloquent. He's very thoughtful and he is very honest. Um, and, and, and sometimes that, that is honesty in a difficult situation. And this is clearly a, a difficult situation for him, for his family and for the organization. So Steven Stamkos, 33 years old, entering his age 34 season, if it, if he's going to have to play through this contract year, there's a possibility where the Tampa Bay Lightning, after all of the mileage they've run up from all these playoff runs, they miss the playoffs or they're a team that could be on the verge of missing. Doesn't that sort of open them up to the wild possibility that, hey, maybe they could get assets for Steven Stamkos? And if you're at a position where, you know, you maybe got a little bit of space, you're making a playoff run. Is it not worth making that making that phone call to Julian Breesbaugh and be like, hey, are you willing to throw in? Uh, Steven Stamkos in a trade. I had this debate with a couple friends yesterday. Would you want age 34 Steven Stamkos on your playoff team if the opportunity came up? I say yes. I mean, we're, we're dealing in the hypothetical, but for sure, it depends where, where, what that team's needs are. But if you need someone to, to play a role on your top power play unit, if you're looking for a little boost of offense, I mean, there's, there's many worse places you could turn. Plus, I think that he brings a lot of intangible qualities that would be a positive to any team looking to, to win a championship as well. 
you know, he's got a no movement clause. So, you know, that would have to be navigated and negotiated. And, you know, I I think it's premature for us to suggest he's going to move on. I think really when we break this down, though, the hard part from Stamkos' end is that they didn't talk at all, right? Like, we don't know, but but there's a world where maybe he's willing to give a massive hometown discount. Like, maybe maybe this next contract for him has nothing to do with money. He just wants to secure that he's in Tampa. But they didn't even get to the table or, you know, have a, a courtesy coffee and explore, hey, like, might you be willing to do this? Like, it didn't even get to that point. Essentially, he, he's been treated the way, you know, again, some of his veteran teammates have been treated. And, and he's seen how this goes on. And I'm not comparing Stamkos. It's obviously a little apple oranges where you're talking about Kalorans and Palats, but those guys were important parts of those cup teams and, and really all these Tampa teams that had success over 10 years, a huge amount of success, the most success of any franchise, you know, for yeah. Stamkos, you know, he's, he's in the same boat as them though. He's got to wait this out. He's got to risk the fact that maybe he gets injured this year. Like what does that do to his situation? You know, it, he wanted the, I think it's pretty clear. He wanted a three year type of contract extension, you know, take him almost to 40 ensure that he's there in Tampa and, you know, he's, he's going to have to keep working for it again. I think it could be good for him, but right now, I mean, that's clearly a delicate situation. And, and I love that it all played out publicly. I think that, man, we could use a little bit more of that in this NHL. Yes, we could. Yes, we could. We were talking about Elias Lindholm last week. And now this, uh, if you have a pending contract, uh, uh, expiry next summer, please say something because we will talk about it on the CJ show and we will make a segment out of it. I'm not, I'm not BSing here. We will. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, but the UFA class in 2024 could be pretty darn good. I mean, I know you we're talking about late career, Steven Stamkos, but I mean, if, if, and you know, big if, but if he hits the open market, I think that's an intriguing player. You know, you, you've got William Nylander, potentially Mark Scheifele, Connor Hellebach, Lindholm, a whole host of others. I mean, this this is shaping up potentially as a class with some difference makers, some big names. You know, we, we know how it plays out in the NHL. Some of these guys will be extended. It's just a, a matter of fact before July 1st. It, it happens every year. You see the, the some of those names come off the board, but who knows? It's, it's, it's a different dynamic. We're heading into a summer where the cap's going to go up. Yes, and sir. Some of those players might be looking at that and being like, hey, I want to see what's like what the open market says. You know, as much as I like my current situation, maybe there's more riches out there. And so I think I think we should prepare ourselves for a pretty intriguing summer once we get beyond this season that we're just teeing up right now. Absolutely. You mentioned William Nylander. We're going to get to him and so many other storylines around the NHL. After we do, you can bet that with David Bastel. Let's bring in DB and then let's get to all these other stories. Welcome to You Can Bet That with uh, David Bastel, uh, always here to join us. Remember to hit us up on sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. DB, we got to look at some updated odds for who could win the Pacific and the Atlantic Division. Some Canadian content for us today. Yeah, that's. I thought we'd start off uh, with these two just because they are uh, significant favorites, actually. Right now, the Edmonton Oilers Pacific Division favorites at a 277. The Flames not getting much love at a 721. They, they're ranked number four, which isn't a surprise. But CJ, the thing that surprises me is 
no love for the Vegas Golden Knights. They're coming up on Stanley Cup, and they're not the favorites to win a division. I, I'm, uh, I'm seeing a red light right there as as far as the Pacific Division is concerned. I think Edmonton makes the playoffs, but Vegas, come on. Right. I guess maybe the thinking is that they're not incentivized to chase the division. They know, you know, what really matters. But you know, look, I don't see a, a, a drop off for Vegas. It's hard to predict. Where- where it's going to go in the regular season, but you know, they, they're largely bringing back the team that won that Stanley cup. Uh, and I got to tell you, I don't know if I'm off my rocker, but I, I like the flames. Like I actually think Calgary's okay. boys have a much better season this year. And so if you, if you're looking for an underdog, I think that there are many worse places you could turn than Calgary uh, with the Pacific. Let's run to the Atlantic division real quick. DB. Yep. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. It's all about the Leafs, right? It usually is because a lot of the money just goes in that direction. So the odds will drop in the Leafs favor, right? They are a very good team during the regular season, postseason. We'll, we'll see again this year, but a two, eight, seven Boston comes in at number two, Florida, Tampa Bay at number four for, for the division, mm. almost the same sort of, um, uh, comparison you made with Vegas where Tampa Bay isn't gunning for, for uh, another banner of a division. They're looking for something a little more significant, but I'm kind of curious to see what you guys think about the Buffalo Sabres, which apparently they've made some turns to the better and the Ottawa senators, which apparently it's playoffs or bust for a lot of that. Uh, uh, well, let's just say management group at 10 to one, by the way. Yeah. Pretty tricky I, for those I, two it, teams. Oh, go ahead. Siege. It's it's a long climb to the top for them. It I is. think. I mean, if, if you if you're selling me on one of them or both of them, maybe even making the playoffs, that I'll, I got time for that one. But you know, it, Leafs are interesting too. They haven't won the Atlantic Division uh, in, in these years, so you know there's there's I think going to be considerable push for them to try to get that job done and have the best seating they can at entering the playoffs. Don't forget to check out sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of the best odds before game, in game, and the best props. Sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. Thank you so much, DB. Thanks, guys. CJ, it's time for Sid Sixero's favorite segment, Leafs Corner, where we talk about everything and anything about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, a lot of news around them. Uh, CJ, you were at Marketing Day yesterday. You heard Bradshaw Living speak. Uh, some news and notes about William Nylander. Uh, where should we start? Should we start with Big Willie style? How, how should we go about this? Well, sure. I mean, biggest story for sure at camp is, is on ice and off ice with William Nylander, right? I mean, the, the Leafs came out and on the eve of his eighth season in the NHL said that they're, they're going to play him at center to start the season. And, you know, I think that that in, in has some interesting ramifications for the team. If it ends up working, you know, we've seen William Nylander play center at times in the past. Uh, and it usually is a short-term thing, or it's usually come up when, when say Austin Matthews or John Tavares were injured. And so it was only when their, their hands were tied. Um, but, it, you know, under Brad Trilliving, this is something that, that the GM put forward that he wants to see happen. Uh, and then of course, the, the other side of the, the coin here is that, this is happening at the start of a season where William Nylander is a pending unrestricted free agent. And, and, you know, what I can tell you, Julian, is, is that there really has not been much in the way of conversations or negotiations uh, here recently with, with Nylander and his camp and the Leafs. I think both sides are pretty comfortable letting this play out a little bit more. Uh, don't, don't need to force anything. Uh, there was no last minute bid to get him signed, you know, before camp started. I mean, I think everyone's going to, live it through and and you know William Nylander to me is the kind of player I don't actually expect it to impact his day-to-day life at all I mean some 
some guys understandably have a difficulty playing under the the idea that that their their contractual future's up in the air. I think William Nylander is quite comfortable letting this letting this go on, see you know, see how it might shift the dynamics that when when and if talks get going during the season. And you know, the Leafs are in a position they're just only going to at this point willing to go so far, and, and what what they're willing to put on the table isn't been enough to get them signed. Uh, so with William Nylander, as someone who does not watch the Maple Leafs super closely, I wouldn't have not have thought about, oh, his time at on the wing compared to his time at center. When it has happened in the past, you've mentioned it's a bit of a short term fix, but like, can you kind of sum it up and say, like, you know, what was it actually like when he was playing center? Is this something that could actually stick? How are his point totals in that regard? Like, I'm I'm, I'm very curious about why they would put him at that position. Well, he rarely, when he's been there in the past, just looked comfortable. Now, I think part of that is because, again, it's what he's thrust in, you know, at a point in time when when the Leafs, you know, are have to make that that call. And when, when it's, you know, it's not not never been ideal circumstances where, you know, the difference here, Julian, is they're starting day one of camp today on Thursday where he's he's lining up at center and they're going to give him a run of games through the season and try to get him where he feels comfortable there. I mean, he played that position as a kid. He was drafted as a center. It's, you know, a lot of NHL forwards are drafted at centers and shifted to the wing. It's not, not uncommon by any stretch, but no. you know, I don't think he's looked too comfortable there. I think the questions for William Elander would be this, his, his consistency at the defensive end is something I think that, that gets questioned about him and, you know, quite fairly in the past at times. And so can he be relied upon to, to play all 200 feet at, at a premium important position? And, and, you know, let's face it. This is still an if. Look, this this could just be a training camp experiment that in two weeks or three weeks time when it's October 11th and it's opening night, it's long been abandoned. So, I mean, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole until we see if it does have legs. But when you think about it, I think where John Tavares is at in his career, you know, the Leafs might not put a number on it, but I might be comfortable saying it's going to go Matthews Nylander at, at number two center with Tavares potentially as a third line center. And so, you know, the ramifications of that is then David camp plays as a fourth line center, you know, the way the Leafs line up depth wise, I think it leaves them with potentially an opening on right wing, because that's where Nylander would normally be, you know, normally the Leafs go down the right wing side, Marner, then Nylander, and then Jornkroak, uh, and then Lafferty or, or Ryan Reeves, you know, it, it does change sort of the balance of their depth. And so that's that, that's why it'll be interesting to see if it works. I think it's also a big change entering a year where obviously this year carries a lot of weight for William Nylander, whether, whether he's signing an extension in Toronto or hitting the free agent market next July 1st. I mean, he he's coming to camp, no doubt with the idea that he's, he's got to have a big season. He had 40 goals and 80 plus points last year. You know, he wants to follow that up. He wants to show that that wasn't a high, high watermark, but that's where he should be at because, you know, he's got a lot of millions of reasons to want to do that. Uh, in terms of the number of the millions that get uh, packed on that next that next contract, and so you know the Leafs are maybe asking him a little bit to, to play out of his comfort zone to some degree at the start of a season that carries so much ramifications for him personally. And so I think that this will be a, a huge talking point, in Toronto, not just today, uh, you know, when Willie Meander speaks to reporters, but over the next weeks and months, depending on how it plays out. And and you know, it is a change that's being brought forward as well by the new GM. Uh, to Sheldon Keith, you know, Sheldon Keith's been the Leafs coach for a number of seasons now. The, this will be four years. He's been behind the bench. This hasn't been something he's like too much, certainly not enough to, to have it be a long-term uh, type of situation. And so everybody here is is kind of under a microscope in terms of how this goes, how they handle it and how they react to the change. 
All right. We'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, let's get to Matt Murray quickly. I uh, was put on a uh, LTIR during the off season and uh, it looks like he's for sure not could be seen for a while. He requires some surgery. Uh, let's get into him and, and let's discuss what's new with that uh, subject. Well, you know, Brad Sullivan, when he met reporters, didn't want to say too much about the specifics of the surgery that's going to happen here in the next week, you know, out of pri- out of privacy concerns for Matt Murray, uh, out of respect for him. Um, but but did promise down the road, you know, on, on the other end of the surgery and when the rehab process is going to, to get into it a little bit more in depth. And, you know, it's my understanding because, you know, look, at it was branded a significant surgery, you know, that gets put out there on X. Some people, I think, are assuming the worst, worst. I, I can tell you it is a physical related surgery, you know, due to the, the number of injuries that Matt Murray's had over his career. It sounds as though he, you know, aggravated or, or made something worse that, that he was dealing with over the summertime. And, and you know, it doesn't seem as though he's likely to be available to the Leafs this season. You know, Brad Living didn't didn't put those kind of guardrails around it, but he did say it's going to, we're looking at months of recovery after this process. And, um, you know, we'll see where Matt Murray's at. I mean, he's still relatively young in his late twenties, um, you know, could miss a whole season, but you know, it's the last year of his contract. Maybe we're talking about a comeback for him beyond that point. I, I don't know, but obviously we send him his best. And I, you know, I think that there were some people that, that thought this was cap chicanery by the Leafs. And, and I can, I can understand where that comes from. I mean, Toronto's one of the teams right up at the cap ceiling uh, every year. It's, it's a limbo right down to the, the last day where they got to set their rosters to get cap compliant. Um, but I, I, I don't think with a little little more looking under the hood here, I don't think there's any reason to think that there's anything untoward going on. And once we hear the details of the surgery, I think everyone will A, go, okay, that makes sense. Um, because Matt Murray has had a number of injuries over his career. B, it is uh, the kind of surgery that, that you know, could force a player to miss an entire campaign. Okay, uh, that's going to do it for Leafs Corner, unsullied by sponsorship since however long we've been able to do it. Uh, Lucky for everyone else tuning in, we have corners for other teams as well. It's time for the first ever Sens Corner. (laughs) This is good making a running joke for all these teams. Let's talk about the Ottawa Senators. Uh, They announced their training camp roster on Wednesday. Shane Pinto, who is a restricted free agent, not on the roster. He remains unsigned. What's next with him? Is he staying? Is he trade bait? What's the move with Shane Pinto? I wouldn't label him trade bait. I think there's some teams out there that would like to to maybe try to use the situation to acquire Shane Pinto, you know, Philadelphia Flyers among them having inquired on Pinto. But, you know, at this point in time, it's kind of a unique situation. There's different cases when, when restricted free agents aren't there to start training camp. Sometimes it's just, you know, it's a leverage point in negotiations. I don't get the sense at all that, that there's bad feelings in this negotiation. The senators just don't have the available cap space to sign him and, and have him be there right now. And, and of course they could functionally sign him. You're allowed to be 10% over the cap until the day before the regular season starts. But if they sign him, then they're really boxed in because then, you know, when they're trying to make perhaps a subsequent move to free up space, teams are going to be in no mood to pay what the price would be because they know Ottawa is desperate to make a move. And so this is, you know, unrolling and unfurling on a couple fronts. You know, clearly the senators would like to clear some salary elsewhere. You know, we saw Vancouver, for example, on the Eva camp trade Tanner Pearson, uh, which we can get into a little bit more later. But that that mm-hmm. freed up cap space for them on at an important time entering their camp. Um, you know, Ottawa has been looking to make the same type of trade and, and I think ultimately needs to to get Pinto signed. And in the meantime, you've got a young player, you know, probably a, a third liner at this point on the senator's roster. But he had 20 goal season last year. 
and you know he's a, he's an important part of what they're building. Um, you know, obviously the, the the story around the Senators is all these young players that have drafted and appear to be coming into their own. And and you know the talk is can they push to make the playoffs? Well, you know you need the depth that, that Shane Pinto brings in order to put your best foot forward. And so you know it's kind of at a standstill as we're recording this right now. Um, but you know I don't think certainly if the Senators could find a way to free up some money, I don't think it would take very long to to get that deal done to get Pinto signed and to get him into camp. But you know, certainly every missed day is, is a missed opportunity, so to speak. Um, you know, he's not the only restricted free agent, not in a camp right now uh, because of a contractual issue. But, um, you know, that that's a sort of a developing storyline in Ottawa. At the same time, you've got Michael Andlauer, of course, uh, you know, about to take over officially ownership of the team any day now. The, the NHL's Board of Governors are doing the final vote uh, remotely on, on him this week. And, and he is expected to officially take the reins from the Melnick State. Um, you know, at some point uh, before the weekend. And so it's, I think it's an exciting time, particularly in Ottawa, just given their off season, you know, this ownership change and uh, the cherry on top will be finding a way to get Shane Pinto signed and uh, skating with his teammates as soon as possible. Okay. Let's go to Vancouver. Uh, you mentioned Tanner Pearson. There was a trade that occurred this week at the Vancouver Canucks and the Montreal Canadians uh, goaltender Casey DeSmith goes to Vancouver, uh, Tanner Pearson, and a third rounder in 2025 go to the Montreal Canadiens. Let's talk about it from the Canucks perspective. Uh, we could throw in the Canadiens if we want to as well. Uh, but what do you think of this move? And what do you think of their cap situation, the Canucks? Well, I mean, it, it's huge for them, right? They gain more than a million in cap space. You know, I think the Tanner Pearson situation had run its course. You know, for those familiar, he had to have multiple, multiple procedures on a hand issue, you know, cost them last season, essentially. And, and I think there was some mistrust there, obviously, with the Canucks medical staff, the doctors. You know, in fact, one of the things that happened when Jim Rutherford and, and Patrick Alvin took over the Canucks is they, is they made changes to that department uh, because of those concerns from a player like Tanner Pearson. So I think that, you know, for those reasons, as he looks to get his career back on track, you know, getting him a fresh start is a positive from Vancouver's end. I think, you know, honoring you know, his wishes in that sense, but they also cleared out, you know, more than 3 million on the cap and they take back, I think 1.8, give or take in Casey to Smith. And, and, you know, I think they needed to stabilize their goaltending position. There was lots of ways they could have done that. You know, there's typically a, a pretty good goaltender or two that gets put on waivers in training camp, just because a lot of teams are, are carrying three NHL type options. So, you know, they, there was other ways they could have maybe accomplished this, but by getting to Smith, who's a, you know, pr proven, a goaltender at the NHL level, clearing out cap space. Now it gives them room for, for more training camp battles. And, you know, particularly on their blue line, I think that there's a lot of players they like in Vancouver and, and, you know, might even allow them to carry AD, for example, out of camp, depending on how some of those battles shape up and they got to make their final decisions in a few weeks time. So, you know, I think that this is one of those moves for the Canucks front office that allows them to breathe, breathe a sigh of relief heading into camp because now they can, you know, truly evaluate the players on the fringes of the rosters and make decisions based on, you know, the, the performance of the players themselves versus they might have had to make far more, you know, roster-based decisions just to, in order to get cap compliant if they didn't find this trade uh, right before camp opened. Yep. So it uh, looks like some business for the Canucks. I'll say it's for the Canadians. Uh, just look at the draft picks they've accumulated for 2025. Uh, I believe they have two, uh, they have two first rounders, two second rounders, two third rounders, and two fourth rounders uh, in 2025. They have eight, they could have eight picks through the first four rounds. Just more business by Kent Hughes and and that Canadians front office in terms of what they're trying to build over there. Very interesting going on in Montreal. 
I would expect to, by the time it gets, you know, a year from now, they'll be looking to trade some of those picks for players. Like I, I would think, you know, as we're, I don't know if the Canes are calling this a rebuild or not, uh, but I would think that they're going to be looking to scale up by that point. And, you know, as much as it's been great, all the, the picks and, and prospects they've amassed these last couple of seasons, you know, I would think at this point, th- those sort of picks, kind of the way Arizona is hoping to do it. I mean, if you've seen the number of picks the Coyotes have, have brought on in, in recent years, they're looking to get to a point where they can flip some of those. And those aren't all just this draft picture adding to your, your prospect pool. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, any thoughts on the flames? Uh, their training camp begins today. Uh, Elias Lindholm. It seems like they're they're just looking to play things out with some of the pending UFAs that they have uh, a thought for them. And uh, we'll also get to their captaincy. I have some thoughts on that too, but uh, would like to know your thoughts on the pending UFA situation. Well, it, there's been no progress still in, in the Lindholm case, still just kind of status quo there as, as you highlight Julian. And, and you know, it, it'll be interesting because they have so many UFAs, right? I mean, it's 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 a big story in three Canadian markets because you've got Shifley and Hellebuck and Winnipeg. We've been over Nylander in Toronto. And, but the Flames have the most going on. And then, you know, Lindholm, you know, where he plays in the lineup, you, you have a, a, a warrior and Michael Backlund who's been a career-long member of the organization. You have a, a big part of your blue line and Hannafin and that, and that spot at Tanev as well. I mean, there's, you know, a lot of moving parts. And I, I think one of the stories that, you know, I would su- suggest from afar that you're going to be following closely throughout the season is how does that impact the roster, if at all? Is it a distraction for those players? Is it a, something that is talked about around the team a lot? If those guys don't play well initially, are they forcing it because maybe they're, they're just feeling the weight of, of you know, their, their situations? I mean, it's, that's an unknowable as we're sitting here today, but I, that's, I feel like big picture, 10,000 feet looking at the flames. That's a big part of the story. I mean, I, I guess secondary story for me is Jacob Markstrom. Can he bounce back to being the, the Vesna type of goalie he's been in the past and was, you know, two years ago in Calgary, I think that that could go a long way or, or, you know, maybe if it's Dustin Wolf emerging at some point, although I would expect him probably to start in the HL, maybe Dan Vladar, whatever. I, I think if they can get some, a little better goaltending, um, you know, that's going to improve things, but, you know, it's it's just a team with all those question marks and a new GM on the scene, even as much as Craig Conroy obviously has a lot of experience and has been in the organization, been part of the front office for years before elevating that job. I think there's just a lot of uncertainty, I would say. And, and you know, it, it, uncertainty doesn't always have to be bad, but you've also got a new head coach. And how does he handle his version of that? How does he handle those players through that uncertainty and make everyone feel comfortable and bring them together? I mean, Man, a lot of elements, and you're far more, you're, you're far closer to it than me, obviously. So you're you're better to comment yes. on the captain situation. I actually think the captain situation ties into all this, right? Because you're talking about creating a great work environment for everyone, and the captain plays an important part in that. It's not just a symbolic aspect of wearing the seat. The Calgary Flames, as of right now, are the only Canadian team. That could change by the time you hear this podcast. Maybe it does, maybe <laughs> it doesn't. But as of right now, as of us recording this, they are the only team in Canada that does not have a captain. Rasmus Anderson, Rasmus Anderson has been trotted out as the favorite. Uh, well, not just because of the fact that he's been with the team as long as he has, but we know he's going to play with the team beyond next season. He has a contract guaranteed for next season. We don't know what the future lies for Michael Backlund, who would have otherwise been the favorite names like Elias Lindholm and Jonathan Huberto have also been put out there. Mackenzie Weger, but we don't know with Lindholm's future. And I think with Huberto and Weger, Maybe it's too big of a target to put on their backs, considering how their first seasons went a little better for Mackenzie Weger and he settled into that locker room. But I, I, I think for the for the Flames, at least I've written about it. I've seen Eric Francis also put this out as well. As well, 
it, Rasmus Anderson looks like the favorite. I would be very surprised if they went anywhere else. Do you think he's ready for it now? Like, is it, is it, what, what about his personality? I don't know Rasmus very well. Do you think like, would, I th- would, 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 would handle that with, with the way you'd want it for the organization? I think he would. I think he would. I, I, I look, I, I look at that roster. There's some leaders on that team. And even if he didn't wear an A, I consider Rasmus as part of that leadership contingent. He's a player who is respected in that locker room. And again, I think the fact that he is guaranteed to play years, at least on his contract uh, with the flames, as opposed to the uncertainty around Michael Backlund, the uncertainty around Elias Lindholm, Rasmus Anderson makes a very strong case. He'll enter the season as a first pairing defenseman as well, uh, being used in all situations. He's a very key cog for that team to work. And also you should get to, I mean, I need to talk to him more. I only got to talk to him a few times, uh, but I think every time we've gotten to talk to him, his personality shines through. I think he, he he's he's underrated in terms of talkers last season being as tough as it was. He did not shy away from us in the media talking about how brutal it was and can be very honest. Uh, I think with Rasmus, he, it makes sense for him to wear the C. It's something that uh, I believe my colleague, Michael Russo, got the opportunity to talk to him uh, during the media tour in Sweden. And he said he'd be open to taking the C and that would be a big honor for him. He would love to have that honor. Uh, so I think if he were to get it, I think it wouldn't be a question of him if it being too soon for him. I think he if he feels he's ready, that that goes a long way to taking the C. I think he would be an ideal choice for that captaincy. I get Michael Backlund should get it. And I think in a different world where his contract is not what it is, he gets it. But right now they need, they want a captain. They want to name it unless they come up with a new contract for Michael Backlund out of nowhere. I think Rasmus is going to get it. Yeah. I think ideally you want some continuity, right? I mean, it, it can't always work that way. Lots of examples in history of players who wear a C for one season and then they're moved or move on. But you know, in general, you do want that continuity and you can still give Backlund an A. He can still be an important part of the leadership group. Um, you know, I think that makes a lot of sense, but it is funny. A Swede is the favorite for the C in Calgary, but if it was a year ago, we would have been talking about Backlund, not Anderson. <laughs> exactly. Um, any thoughts to, I know we've kind of mentioned the jets a little bit, the Oilers. I don't want people getting mad as well. Like, oh, you, you left out these other Canadian teams. Uh, just any quick thoughts on those two franchises, the Oilers and the jets. We did not talk about them as we ran through all the Canadian, uh, all the Canadian teams. Well, I'll say this. Uh, there's lots of time. There's three weeks before real yes. games played. We have two shows a week. We'll, we'll hit everybody eventually. You know, interesting to see Cole Perfetti take the second line center job to start Jets camp, uh, obviously behind Mark Shifley. You know, big, big step up for him. I think a big opportunity for that team to move forward, you know, with, with Blake Wheeler uh, being bought out in the summertime. And, and you know, still, I look at the Jets and it's, to me, it's still a really good team on paper. I think we, they almost get forgotten about a little bit. They've underachieved to some degree. You know, it, it didn't go well for the playoffs last year. Rick Bonus is putting his players on blast. But, you know, I still think that that team could surprise us if they if they come together. We'll see how Perfetti, uh, you know, handles that role and, and, you know, how training camp develops there with, with, with the deployment of the players. You know, as for Edmonton, for me, the best team in Canada, the team most likely at this point in time, to end the Stanley Cup drought that is stretched back to when Julian was just a wee baby. Um, you know, I, I, I like I like where the Oilers are at. I like a lot of what we're hearing from Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Like, it seems to me those guys are really, really dialed in. And let's see, let's see how it goes. I mean, it's 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 a new year, but you just feel like with two players 
that good and one player really that's that 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 good it's going to fall into place one season and so why not this year why not this year in edmonton yeah why not also uh you don't want to know what i was doing in 2006 uh, the last time uh, the edmonton Oilers were in the stanley cup final you don't want to know i don't want to make you feel old i mean it won't make me feel old i've never felt younger man i'm ready to i'm ready to go man Love you, CJ. Let's talk about the Boston Bruins and the fact that Brad Marchand is captain of the team. Uh, he was given the C on Wednesday. Uh, he's, he's put they're putting out those photos with it with that 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 annoying ass grin that he has. I'll say it about Brad Marchand. <laughs> he's a pest, but that's what he's supposed to be, people. Uh, but he's the captain of the Boston Bruins uh, for this upcoming season. Thoughts on him getting the C? It makes sense to me. I mean, I guess you could have argued for Charlie McAvoy, you know, just being a little younger, but having kind of been groomed under this group. I mean, maybe there was some David Pasternak love out there too, kind of a similar situation to McAvoy. But, you know, I I will say this about the Bruins. Every team co- talks about culture. They're the one team, again, in the years that I've been around, or not the only one, but they're one of the absolute ones that no doubt in my mind created it, um, that really have found a way not to have a fall off. I mean, that's why this season's so interesting in Boston, losing your top two centers with Bergeron and, and Krejci both retiring. And, and we're all, you know, I think there's probably a lot of people predicting that they're going to tumble down the standings. And I don't know that that's unfair, but they just are the one team that have really had continuity. And I think that they do have a standard of how they do things about how they treat each other. And as much as Brad Marshall has done lots of things over the years to, to probably ignite fan bases from rival teams to not like him. I think he, he will carry that on, you know, from, Chara, to Bergeron, to Marchand. I think it makes a ton of sense. And let's remember, I'm not saying he's totally reformed, but he is definitely not the player he was 10 years ago or eight years ago. Like some of what's remembered, you know, he, he licked someone in the playoffs. But what, what year was that? I mean, 20, 2017. I mean, I mean, he has grown up a little bit. And so I think if you had told me 10 years ago that Brad Marchand would, would be a Bruins captain, I might have, I might have given you the eyebrow, like what? But in, in this year, 2023, given where that organization's been through, what, how he's developed, I think it's a great choice. And and he loves a microphone too, Julian. Part of that job, yes, he does. It's standing in front of you and I and all our colleagues and and answering questions and entertaining a little bit. And I think that he's always good for that too. Yeah, Brad Barshaw, just he's the. Is it fair to call him the league's antihero? Like he's like a chaotic good or neutral evil. I'm not sure where he fits on that grid with that, but he definitely has a personality. We've seen it on, we have definitely seen it on Twitter and, and how it has impacted uh, certain people that we know. Um, but yes, uh, Brad Barshaw in terms of personalities in this league, definitely among the more notable ones. And the fact that he has a C. All right. I, congratulations. You grew up. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I would I would have loved if. I would have loved if the Bruins social team came out and, and he was like, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. And he's like, we're in the seat. That would have been great. That would have been pretty funny. Uh, but no, been it, it is perfect. It'd been funny. Yes. Uh, but it is, it is cool to see that Brad Barshaw uh, has give for all his, for all the faults or whatever you want to label on him, a top line forward, one of the better forwards of the game. The fact that he has to see uh, this whole leadership thing for him, really exciting to see uh, for Brad Barshaw. Uh, I, I think in a few years, it'll go to Charlie McAvoy, though. It makes sense. He, he, he'll he be a lifer, but the Bruins on that defense score. Um, we have time for the Ducks. Trevor Zegers, J.B. Drysdale in that situation. Uh, they need new contracts. What's going on in Anaheim? Yeah, well, 
real quick. I mean, look, you got a newer GM in Pat Verbeek. You have a team that has a lot of players that need contracts, right? I mean, this yeah. is this is the flip side of amassing prospects and and everything. You know, you, you've got to make it all work in the cap. And now you've got two of your better young players not at camp to start. Uh, I think in both cases, there's a, you know, hope to get something done. It sounds like they're going to go short term on both contracts. Um, you know, Zegers offensive flair. You see him at the all-star game doing his thing in a skills competition. Uh, you know, I think that he's, he's quite confident in his abilities and he's not taking a discount. I mean, that, that's just as it is, that they're at a bit of a standstill uh, in that situation. But, you know, the, as camp goes on, that tends to, you know, move move the line one way or another, depending on who's feeling the heat. It's a little different with, with Drysdale because he missed most of last year uh, with an injury. You know, his agent has been down in Anaheim, you know, for face-to-face meetings, trying to get something done. I, I think that, that, you know, there's there's more likelihood that that's resolved sooner uh, than Zegers. Although, of course, in either situation, it's one phone call could change things if the position of the team changes and the position of the player changes. Um, but, you know, I just think of this is the difference you see in the league. If, if this was in Montreal, Toronto, Edmonton, what, what have you, even the Rangers, you know, I'm not just making it a Canadian thing. And, and two of your best young prospects, two guys, I mean, the case of Drysdale, top 10 pick that, that you've, you've brought along yourself and, and they weren't there for the first day of camp. It would be a freaking zoo. Um, but if there's one advantage sometimes to being in a smaller market or a less traditional market or, or what, what, whatever will, will brand and the Anaheim media market in this case, it doesn't end up making as many headlines uh, that these guys aren't there. But I think certainly a big story to watch, especially as camp goes on, because Anaheim's in a situation like a lot of teams where the goal isn't to finish right at the bottom this year. I think that they want to take a step forward and start progressing, getting to the point where they're a true uh, playoff challenger again. And these guys will be a big part of it when they do eventually take those steps. still kind of interesting though, right? Like, you're right. They're in Anaheim. That's not as big of a media market as it could be. But I mean, we're still talking about Trevor Zekers, who's still one of the more exciting players in the National Hockey League. Like, I still feel it's it's been buried under the radar to some degree. Uh, and and it, it maybe very much location has to do with it. But like, it is just fascinating that a player that we have already deemed a star. I get the stats. Some people may look at the stats and say, well, he's not a superstar yet. And that's fine. We're not saying that. But He's still, because of the abilities that he's shown at the All-Star game, in-game, this should be a bigger deal. The longer it goes on, the bigger deal it will become. You know, tune into our Insider Trader segments on TSN. This is going to this is gonna move up. This will move up the board if we get a week into camp, two weeks into camp, if there's a, the point where either or both of them are missing, you know, regular season games. I think that, that you'll, you'll see a lot more reporting around it and discussion around it. But you're right. It's coming to training camp under the radar. And I'll say one thing this year that's been a bit different. There aren't that many un- unsigned RFAs, right? Most of the business did get done here. You know, you've got Pinto and the two guys in Anaheim, uh, but there, there wasn't nearly as many as typically there's seven, eight, nine sometimes right to the first day of camp. But but this hasn't happened as much. And so that's the other thing. It's not a, it's not a complicated field here. And I think there'll be more talk about the Ducks guys if they don't get them signed. All right, we will be on that if there is more to talk about with the Anaheim Ducks. And with that, it is time for stick taps. Uh, We uh, show some positivity, or if you want to use the cross-check option, uh, that's up to you. But uh, we're probably going to use uh, stick taps uh, for this time around. Show some love to someone uh, either in the hockey world, the sports world, wherever we want to dish it out to. Uh, I'm going to give a stick tap to Paul Byron 
the longtime Montreal Canadiens forward, uh, used to play also for the Calgary Flames, I believe. I'm trying to remember all the other teams uh, that were in there, but Montreal Calgary for sure in the purview for Paul Byron, played 12 seasons in the NHL, announces his retirement this week, uh, missed a lot of time due to a hip injury, uh, but a lot of Canadians fans remember uh, Paul Byron fondly, great waiver wire pickup, good player you could put all around the lineup, uh, had that big goal against the Toronto Maple Leafs in the 2021 playoffs that a lot of fans will remember. Uh, good guy. Uh, also, a lot of uh, Francophone media in Quebec appreciated him because he uh, was bilingual and was able to speak French to them as well. So I know a lot of uh, uh, Francophone media types in, in Quebec, they very much appreciate Paul Byron. A lot of fans do in Montreal. Uh, so I will give him my stick tap uh, for this week. Well deserved. And I'm going to go with Rich Nairn, who is the longtime Arizona Coyotes PR director. He actually was with the team dating back to the original Winnipeg Jets and moved south with them. Uh, you know, he just announced in, in recent days here that his 27-year run with the organization uh, is going to come to an end at the end of October. Rich is a, a true professional, someone I've, I've leaned on a lot over the years in, in my role as a reporter. Always had a smile on his face. And my goodness, that man saw some things. I mean, if you think the Coyotes, you know, with all the different owners and a bankruptcy trial and this and that, this arena plan or that, this guy had been on their PR team that entire time, dealing with that on the front line, trying to, to do his job. And as I say, no matter what the story was, no matter how difficult it was, I always found him to be very professional in our dealing. Uh, and so I wish Rich all the best. We don't always see these people behind the scenes, but uh, he's been a big part of um, you know what the Coyotes have been trying to do. And I hope, uh, I hope he finds a little more serenity in his next gig. <laughs> Yeah, less controversy. Uh, shout out to Rich. Uh, thank you for your service, 27 years. And that's going to do it for this Thursday edition of the CJ Show. Get your questions in now for Ask CJ, whether you're on Discord or on Twitter. We'll be back on Monday with a brand new episode. CJ, any final thoughts before uh, we get on out of here? I'll let you get last word on this one. The Leafs are taking the ice right now. I got to pack up and get out there and get at it. More Leafs corners to come. <laughs> Go deal with that. I got to deal with the flames for CJ of Julian. So long and peace. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Inside the game twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at Reporter Chris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.